and and it's important for us to, um, to hold Republican values. The former prosecutor could face a primary challenge from Tom Sifer Councilman Maurice Mohill and Daniel Roderick. You could add Tom Sifer and Middletown to a growing number of school districts that say they will have to fire dozens of staff members and dramatically raise taxes to make up for a lack of state aid. New Jersey is dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into school state aid, but a new funding formula actually cuts aid to a third of districts. It's the main reason New Jersey property taxes could skyrocket this year. A Tom Sifer woman who rejected several lifelines while battling drug addiction got clean thanks to her mom. Holly Santor's drug abuse began with marijuana and ecstasy, but she she turned to Vicodin after getting her wisdom teeth removed. Four months after a sober pregnancy, she began abusing cocaine to lose the baby weight and then turned to heroin. Her addiction came to an end in a jail cell on Christmas Eve 2014. When I called my son on Christmas Eve, I asked him, you know, what he had asked Santa for presents. He said to me, Mommy, instead of presents, can Santa just bring you home for Christmas morning? And it was at that moment that I knew I had to change. Four years sober, Holly now helps others as a peer counselor with NJ Connect for recovery. Vin Ebenu, WLBM News. A young girl is missing in Tom's River. According to reports, Ashley Combs, who did not come home from school on Friday, was last seen wearing light-colored jeans and a black hoodie. There is a possibility that she made her way into the Long Branch area. We'll keep you updated with the latest on our free mobile app. Ocean County weather meteorologist Dan Zero says mostly cloudy skies expected this afternoon with highs in the mid to upper 50s. Mainly cloudy this evening with an overnight low around 40 degrees. More clouds on Monday with a chance of a morning shower and highs in the upper 40s. I'm Mark Anthony, WOPM News. How did your lawn rate last year? Was it rated the best on the block or did your neighbors all give it a big thumbs down? This year, you could have a thick, green, healthy lawn with help from the experts at Lawn Care by The General. Their trained technicians know the proper nutrients and products that make your lawn look its best because they've been caring for lawns like yours in Ocean County for over 33 years. Their popular five-star deluxe program includes fungus, lime, and grub controls at no extra charge. It's only pennies a day to relax and enjoy a thicker, greener, healthier lawn. All you need is a little help that's knowledgeable, dependable, and fully guaranteed from the pros at Lawn Care by The General. For a limited time only, switch from your current lawn company and get a $20 gift card plus a 6% discount. Let Lawn Care by The General get your lawn the thumbs up this year. Stop into their offices at the General's Country Gardens on Route 70 in Whiting. For a free estimate, call 732-350-1776. Or for all your landscaping needs, go to generallandscapingllc.com. 92.7 WOBM Ocean County Traffic Watch. We are looking good this morning around Ocean County. No major backups to report on the parkway. Traffic moving pretty well on Route 9. No major delays to report on 35. You also have a good ride on 37. No major issues to report on 70. Traffic moving well on 72. Also looking good on 195 and no problems to report on 88. Traffic sponsored by the New York Yankees. Yankee fans, game tickets for the 2019 season at Yankee Stadium are on sale. This season features games against the best of the American League. Log on to Yankees.com today. I'm Adam Walski with the Auto Lenders Ocean County Traffic Watch on 92.7 WOBM. The opinions expressed on Topic A do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or sponsors of Townsquare Media. This is Bob Levy's Topic A with Jeremy Grunin, a Jersey Shore tradition for over 35 years. On Beach Radio 1160 and 1310. And Ocean County's hometown station, 92.7 WOBM. Now, here's Jeremy Grunin. All right, we are back. Topic A, Jeremy Grunin, 92.7 WOBM-FM, My Beach Radio 1160 and 1310 AM. Both stations, apps, and websites, 732-237-9626. We are now joined on the line uh, by our U.S. Congressman Andy Kim. I call him AK3. I think it's a I think it's a cool name. I think you should go with it. How are you, Congressman? Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so it's uh, not not much going on in Washington, huh? No, piece of cake, easy job. <laughs> how you how you liking it so far? Is it everything you'd hoped it would be? Are you are you enjoying the the ride so far? Look, you know, it's, it's no one's dream to get sworn in to Congress during the middle of a shutdown, right? Um, but, you know, it shows just, uh, you know, there's this function that's happening and, the, you know, frankly, the problems on, on both sides of the aisle. 
But look, it also reinforced to me, you know, why it is that I stepped up to do this. You know, I'm not somebody who ever thought I'd run for Congress. Um, you know, I was a public servant, a you know, diplomat that worked under both Republicans and Democrats. Um, so, look, we're just going to try to get things done and hopefully be able to deliver for the people here. Right. Well, and I think, uh, listen, you've done a great job. I've seen you uh, a number of times out and about, uh, whether it's at uh, military functions, uh, Chamber of Commerce events, uh, all over all over the area trying to spread the message and make sure you're hearing from your constituents what's important to them. Uh, and so let's uh, let's get to some of the legislation first before we get to the topics of the day and look at it high level. Uh, I know you have you have two bills kind of working their way through right now, right? So you want to you want to talk uh, to us about them. I know one of them is of particular interest to the folks in in Ocean County and Burlington around uh, around healthcare. So why don't you talk for a minute about that? Sure. So uh, you know the very first bill that I introduced in in Congress uh, was called the Save Act. Um, the state allowance for a variety of its changes act. This is something that was going to, you know, I'm just trying to think through here as I'm talking to folks about how, you know, they're all concerned about how much healthcare costs, um, you know, out-of-pocket expenses. You know, we always, you know, I always say we live in a time when 40% of Americans can't handle a $400 emergency. You know, so I'm trying to think through, you know, what are some practical ways that we can try to, you know, get some of those costs lower? One way that a couple of states have been able to do that is by having their own state health exchanges, um, health care exchanges. You know, this is something that we don't have here in New Jersey. Um, other states that have done this have been able to, you know, get uh, their exchanges tailored to their states, uh, be able to control how long they have for the enrollment process, be able to have better cost controls as well. So, you know, I think this is something that might work well for our state. You know, a lot of those states that did make that change, they were able to get federal funding before to help facilitate that change. That stellar federal funding has has, uh, has expired. So this bill is something that I worked together with a uh, Republican co- uh, co-author, uh, Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania. You know, this stemmed out from the fact that over the first couple weeks in Congress, I spent a lot of my time just having one-on-one conversations with different members of Congress on the Republican side, sitting down, introducing myself, getting a sense of where we can find some areas of common agreement. And, uh, you know, we knew that we're going to have areas of disagreement, so why don't we just try to figure out where we can find some agreement and try to build up from there. And we were able to find and understand that both of our states don't have state exchanges. It's something that will help try to bring uh, costs down. Uh, so we were able to work together on that uh, to be able to uh, get that introduced. I'm really proud to have uh, been able to introduce something bipartisan right out of the gate. So that's the first uh, bill that we've introduced right now. Um, it's moved forward, uh, you know, into the the committees, and we're hoping that you know this will be something that can come to the floor and get the kind of bipartisan support that you know we're hoping for and working towards. Awesome. And so, well, there you go. So, uh, so, so, so good stuff that you're working on. Uh, which uh, which we're all excited about. Now, tell everybody again wh- which committees are you currently uh, are you currently working with? So I am joined up on the two committees that I wanted to be on, which is the Armed Services Committee and the Small Business Committee. Now, this was a, a really deliberate effort that I uh, put forward to just try to think about what's best for this district. Where can I have the the maximum impact? You know, I always say I want to be able to exist where and work where the rubber hits the road. So, you know, on the, on the Armed Services Committee, this allows me to be able to oversee the, uh, and be able to support the Joint Military Base, McGuire, Dix, Lakehurst. Uh, I'm on the subcommittee uh, on readiness, which oversees all military construction, uh, training, a lot of the programs that are happening on the Joint Base. It oversees also uh, the BRAC process, the, uh, the, the process for base closures in the event that that ever happens. I want to make sure that I'm in as strong a position as I can to support and protect that base. You know, and I also come from a national security background. You know, I was a, a diplomat, a national security official, um, you know, worked under both uh, uh, Republicans and Democrats. Um, so this is a way for me to also have a say and, and talk about some of the key issues uh, of our time, uh, the concerns that we have about the, uh, the rise of China, about cybersecurity and, and a lot of other threats, uh, counterterrorism issues that I used to work on. Uh, so that's, that's uh, the uh, committee I'm, I'm very happy to be on. On the Small Business Committee, you know, while we're looking out for our, our largest employer in the district, the Joint Military Base, we've got to make sure we're looking out for everybody else, too. Um, everything from uh, uh, seasonal 
businesses over in, in Seaside and, and, the, and the island, uh, all the way out to the, the Delaware River and the Philly suburbs area. You know, this is a small business district. And, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that uh, we can do everything we can in Congress to make sure we're looking out for the small businesses, which so often get kind of cast to the side here. So, you know, this is a way for me to be able to try to think about and, and advocate for access to capital, workforce development, you know, strengthening pipelines between our our uh, our schools, our community colleges and, and trade schools into into businesses. Um, and so this is something I'm very excited about. I'm also the chairperson for one of the subcommittees, which is on uh, economic growth, taxes and capital access. Um, so I think this is a good place for me to be able to advocate, and I've been working uh, hard to be able to connect with a lot of business owners and understand what it is that they want to see me do, to see their government do, to be able to benefit their businesses, um, you know, especially as we're getting more and more questions about you know, where our economy is going to be going from right. now. Hopefully it will continue to stay strong, uh, but we need to be you know, prepared and, and make sure we are uh, putting small businesses in as strong a position as possible. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw a story last week relative to your first committee and the uh, the armed services. Did I see that we were getting a $10 million plus uh, apron taxiway and support facility and uh, and the likelihood of another $72 million uh, for a hangar, right, at, at the joint base for the KC-46s? Yeah, so the KC-46 tanker is a, you know, is a great effort. Uh, you know, it's going to be... Uh, you know, really making the, the joint base uh, in, incredibly uh, relevant and it's going to have, uh, you know, years for us to be able to build this office. So that really helps build the security of this base. It's going to build a lot of jobs. Um, it's going to make sure that, uh, you know, we can continue to strengthen that. But we got to make sure that we're always thinking about bringing in, in new missions, um, making sure we're not just thinking about what can the base, what does the base need to look like tomorrow or next year, but, you know, 25 years from now. You know, one thing that I, you know, as I kind of try to follow in the footsteps of uh, Congressman Jim Saxton, you know, one thing he was always telling me and always kind of pushing out there is, you know, you got to be planning for that future. You know, because he was somebody that was navigating that base through uh, those base closure processes. And, then, you know, he uh, helped facilitate, you know, the way that this base came together as a super base, as a joint base. Um, so, you know, this KC-46 is, uh, is certainly going to be a great anchor but we need to constantly do in the steps to be able to um, be able to support, you know, that includes, uh, you know, building an overpass on, on, uh, on the route 539 and making sure that we can create more training facilities and making sure we can do more on the Lakehurst side uh, to be able to build those, uh, th that side of the base up as well. So, you know, I'm looking kind of across the board. We can't rest on our laurels and always be trying to build out further. Absolutely. Good stuff. Hey, you're okay with us taking some phone calls, right? Of course. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's let's take one here. Let's go back to George and Tom's River. Good morning. Hi. Um, you know, I know that you're it's the other bill that you're sponsoring is for the People Act, and uh, Congressman Green of Tennessee vote, uh, had an amendment to HR one that's your bill, and the amendment was uh, number seventy seven, and it was quote. Uh, uh, to express a sense of Congress that free speech should be protected, and that amendment failed. I, you know, uh, I'd let, and you, I mean, you were one of the people that voted against that. Um, you know, to express a sense of Congress that free speech should be protected. I'd like to know why you voted no on that amendment. If this is for the People Act, why would you vote against such a, such a, you know, a, a, the Congress? you know, yep. want to protect free speech. We got it, George. Thank you so much for the question. We'll uh, we'll have the congressman answer that. Yeah, no, thanks so much, George, for putting that out there. And, and look, uh, let me let me just try to refresh my memory for what, what exactly uh, that Amendment 77 was. Um, but, you know, look, um, in, in the meantime, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly that, look, we always want to make sure that free speech is protected. Um, you know, I think that is a, a key part of what the For the People Act was about. It was trying to make sure that citizens all across this country um, are going to be the ones that can that can vote, that they're going to be able to get uh, access to that, that they're going to be protected when they do so, um, that we can make sure that their vote counts. You know, these are the steps that we were trying to take. You know, for instance, with uh, opposing uh, gerrymandering, 
You know, this is something that I've heard from people on both sides of the aisle because, you know, I think one very clear sentence that explains it is that, you know, voters should be choosing politicians, not politicians choosing voters. You know, and that's how we're going to try to protect uh, free speech and, and the rights to vote and the rights to their democracy. Um, and in terms of the, the specific amendment that you're referring to, like I said, I'm going to have to refresh my memory on that one. Um, I can't recall uh, exactly the language of it. Um, but I'll make sure that we get back to you. On yeah, that. and I guess what happens so often is that we 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 live in this soundbite world where we say, "Well, it looks like you're voting against free speech, or you're voting," and it's a and you have to really dig into the nuts and bolts of the bill uh, and the amendment. And there's there's typically uh, there's typically verbiage that's buried in there that's like, "Hey, well, no, that's not enough, or that's not okay, or that opens us up to X, Y, and Z." So it's very. It makes it very difficult because you can easily you can easily paint someone with a broad brush that oh well I guess Congressman Kim isn't against free speech after all and that's just not fair. So um, yeah, you know I, I you know I agree with that. I mean like, you know look there's a there's a lot of just partisan gamesmanship that you know it's frankly really uh, you know frustrating and difficult about that all um, you know and just in terms of how um, how it's all trying to just line up in those types of ways. So you, you're absolutely right. You know we want to make sure that the people are informed. Uh, people are understanding, you know, what it is that's being voted upon. And, you know, that's a big reason why I've been really pushing for transparency. You know, I, I promised to hold at least one town hall every single month. Um, I had one just yesterday uh, over in Cinnamon, and I had one out in Berkeley Township last month. Um, and also on my website on, on kim.house.gov, uh, you know, I have daily reports about what it is that I'm doing, uh, who I'm meeting with. You know, I really want to make sure we have that kind of transparency. Um, you know what I'm working on because I always say whether you voted for me or not, you know, you're you're my boss, right. um, and I'm going to be working for you. So that's a big part of it. So let's 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 dive into something else that you know, relative to voting uh, per se. So we've heard in this last week as we have this uh, this uh, this incredible this ever growing cast of characters for the uh, Democratic nomination in in 2020. Uh, that we've started to hear kind of challenges to the system and to our voting system, uh, specifically around the electoral college, the voting age uh, at 16. Where, what do you, what, what's your thought on that? Do you, do you, do you, are, are you okay with the timing of it? Are you okay with the fact that it seems that it's just that we've politicized the process and and that we're we're looking for maybe an advantage uh, any way that we can get it? How, how does how does it strike you? Well, look, the, the Constitution is a, is a document that we need to uphold and, and constantly respect. It's a, it's a document that uh, has guided our country so far. So we've got to be very careful when we deal about talking about uh, changes to the Constitution or, or criticizing things that are in there. You know, we need to make sure that we are being deliberate. Um, and I don't like when people are being, you know, very dismissive and throwing things out there for, for applause lines. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we're we're treating that document with the utmost respect. If we have disagreements, we can certainly raise that. You know, that's certainly not uh, not a problem. But you know, we we need to make sure that we're doing that very carefully. So, look, um, you know, I think there are, uh, you know, I certainly raised with uh, with HR one. You know, things that we can do to be able to try to strengthen our system. I think a lot a lot of us look at what's happening in Washington and say, you know, that's not. That's not working the way it should be. It's not working as well as it needs to be for the, for the people. Um, but we got to make sure we're not trying to do that for just scoring political points. Right. Um, and especially during a presidential season, we need to be very careful about that because you know we can't allow the Constitution to become a divisive document. Absolutely. You know, we can't allow that document to divide our nation. Um, and again, you know, we need to always be humbled and, and in in front of that document and, and treating it with the respect that it deserves. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's take a call from Mike in Tom's River. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Congressman. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the KC-46, what it does, and who we're buying it from? Yeah, so, um, you know, the KC-46 uh, is, uh, is a fuel tanker. Um, it's sort of state-of-the-art tanker um, that allows uh, the joint base to be able to uh, be sort of the uh, center point, especially on the East Coast, uh, for being able to project our, our forces abroad. Um, you know, this is a, a really important mission that uh, the Joint Base has taken on. Uh, this is something that, um, you know, I've certainly had a lot of meetings with uh, Boeing and others, you know, who are helping uh, move this process forward, uh, making sure it stays on track. You know, we're supposed to be getting them in the next couple years. 
um, and we're getting the hangers up and running. We just had the groundbreaking this past December. Um, so the hope is that it's going to stay on track. You know, there has been some concerns about the delivery um, and, and whether or not, you know, as they've been starting to push them out, as we've seen the first KC-46s go to different bases across this country, um, you know, there have been some issues and problems that might set this back a little bit. So, you know, I raised those concerns um, in an armed services committee hearing uh, just about two weeks ago or so, um, trying to demand an uh, understanding of the timeline, make sure it stays on track. Um, but this is a, a really big, uh, this is a really big step for the, the joint base. It's uh, really going to put us on strong footing going forward, um, and we want to make sure that it stays that way and, and gets there as soon as possible. Um, did the recent crashes of the uh, Boeing jets uh, give you any concern? Well, look, it, it certainly gives me concern on a number of different fronts. I'm, I'm concerned on the, the commercial side. You know, certainly, um, I want to make sure that when anybody gets onto an aircraft that they're going to feel secure about this. And we need to make sure that we're understanding uh, the oversight uh, requirements and the role that the federal government plays, whether it's w with uh, with any uh, aircraft manufacturer. Uh, you know, I, I don't like what I've been hearing about how uh, that aircraft, uh, the, the 737, was, uh, was rushed out uh, as soon as possible. Obviously, they were concerned about uh, their competitors and making sure that it gets out there quickly. Um, and, you know, there's a lot that needs to come out uh, about the analysis of what exactly happened and then the problem. So, yeah. look, I, I certainly have concerns about that aircraft. Um, I certainly want to make sure that we take a, a close look at uh, our oversight process to, for all passenger aircraft as well as uh, broader aircraft. So, you know, certainly want to. And as we were just saying, you know, there are some concerns about the um, – the KC-46, some problems that have already pushed in some initial delays, that needs to be taken very, very seriously. So, of course, I want to see it stay on time. But the main thing is I want to make sure that it's, it's going to be equipment and a vehicle that, that makes sure it protects our armed service men and women who are right. going to be operating it. Right. So, and listen, you know, that is my first and foremost goal. And anybody that spent any time over at the Joint Base McGuire Dix Lakehurst and you talk to the folks at Navair or any of the other folks that, that work over there, the 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 failure rate uh, is so minuscule on what we do with our military uh, because the, the checks and balances system and the amount of training and the amount of specialization that happens over there, it, it's mind blowing. Right. There's it's you know, we're, we're talking about we're talking about going out six, seven, eight, probably eight, uh, eight places to the right of the decimal point before you're finding variation. So I'm sure that the, that when these KC-46s ultimately get delivered, this will be checked, rechecked, quadruple checked, quintuple checked, and whatever number you can think of, uh, because that's just how our U.S. military works. So, um, And we also obviously know that, look, there were some scary things with those 737 MAXs, where when we're talking about optional safety equipment uh, that, uh, that, that countries decided not to partake in, or we're talking about skimping on training for for uh, for for pilots. Uh, those are just things that, as a general rule, we don't want to be messing around with. So, um, but but kudos to you, uh, Congressman, for uh, for for continuing to follow up on the quality of the KC forty sixes. We we need to take a break. Uh, when we get back, I do want to get your take on two of the uh, two of the the bigger issues of the day, uh, which are certainly around uh, immigration. Uh, and, uh, and of course, taxes, which everybody seems to be uh, uh, getting hit with. Uh, you know, we're all, it's that time of year for all of us. So uh, I'd like to hit those topics. And we have a couple other phone calls for you. We're with U.S. Congressman Andy Kim, 3rd District, AK3, back after this. Call Jeremy now at 732-237-WOBM. That's 732-237-9626. More of Bob Levy's Topic A with Jeremy Grennan next. On Beach Radio 1160 and 1310. And Ocean County's hometown station. 92.7 WOBM. If you're looking for the best seafood at the shore, then head to Bum Rogers Crab House in South Seaside Park. Happy hour is every day until 6, even on Sundays. Featuring live music, $6.00 appetizers and more plus every monday is prime rib night just wait till you sink your teeth into a juicy slow roasted prime rib dinner complete with corn and potato for only $17.99 all this and more at bum rogers crab house in south seaside park for entertainment schedules and events visit bumrogerstavern.com 
Hi, Amy. Welcome to the Xfinity store. Oh, thank you. Happy to be here. Can I try out that X1 voice remote? Yeah. It lets you search for all your favorite streaming apps with the sound of your voice. Check it out. <clears throat> Show me the crown on Netflix. Wait, you're British? No, but I do have a lot of British friends, so I need to make sure it works for them, too. Yeah, it will. Okay, let me try another one. Show me homecoming on Prime Video. Um... Just making sure it works with a mouthful of popcorn. Ah, gotcha. Xfinity lets you search Netflix, Prime Video, and YouTube with the sound of your voice. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Get started with Xfinity Internet TV and Voice for $79.99 a month for two full years with a two-year agreement. And ask about Netflix, Prime Video, and YouTube in 4K Ultra HD on X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. And for 1419 restrictions apply. New standard triple play customers only. Equipment, taxes, and fees, including BTV and RSN fees, extra and subject to change. After-term, regular rate supply. Limited 4K programming available. Requires 4K-capable TV and box. Netflix and Prime Video memberships required. It's the Sign and Sleep event at Mattress Firm. Get a new bed at 0% APR for six years with $0 down and $0 due at signing. Plus, Friday through Sunday, get a free adjustable base with a qualifying mattress. Up to a $699 value, absolutely free. Hurry in, your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Call 1-866-780-6220 for credit costs and terms. For new accounts, purchase APR is 29.99%. Subject to credit approval. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Let's face it. Losing a loved one is hard enough without worrying about high prices. Your local Dignity Memorial cremation and funeral providers, including Quinn Hopping Funeral Home of Tom's River, understand this. That's why Dignity Memorial locations have significantly lowered cremation and burial costs to better serve their community. So whether you're in need of immediate assistance or interested in planning ahead to lock in today's prices and gain peace of mind, they can help. Visit DignityNJ.com to see pricing, options, and locations near you. Lower cost doesn't mean your family has to compromise quality or personal service. That's DignityNJ.com, because a memorial service should be about memories, not high prices. Quinn Hopping Funeral Home is located at 26 Mule Road, Toms River, New Jersey, 08755. Phone 732-240-240. 3800. Michael T. Sutton, manager. New Jersey license number 4128. At Hackensack Meridian Health, the most comprehensive healthcare system in New Jersey, our cancer program empowers patients to become partners in their treatment. With access to clinical trials as well as surgical, medical, and radiation oncology expertise, we're able to pioneer the possible with cancer care that's centered around you. To connect with a nurse or find a specialist, visit hackensackmeridianhealth.org. Hackensack Meridian Health, part of the Memorial Sloan Kettering Hackensack Meridian Health Partnership. Now, back to Bob Levy's Topic A with Jeremy Grunin. On Beach Radio 1160 and 1310. And Ocean County's hometown station. 92.7 WOBM. We are back with uh, Topic A here with uh, U.S. Congressman 3rd District Andy Kim. Uh, So, Congressman, uh, people are starting to feel it in the pocketbooks. What are what are we doing about this tax situation here in uh, in the Garden State? Yeah, this is uh, you know this is ridiculous. How you know I'm so frustrated on the federal level. You know, New Jersey pays more than its fair share uh, to the federal government. We don't get nearly as much as we need to back. You know, somewhere in, I think like seventy some cents per the dollar that we put into it. It's one of the worst in the entire country. You know, this is a big reason why I was really uh, worried and frustrated about. Uh, the tax bill that went into place uh, last year. And, uh, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of the what we thought was going to bear out, especially with regards to state and local tax deductions. You know, the property taxes here are crazy. And, um, you know, people are really feeling it. So, look, we, you know, we'll, we'll get better, uh, you know, better analysis and all the data, you know, after uh, tax day passes. But, you know, already I've been hearing from people all over Ocean County and Burlington County uh, that are taking a big hit. Um, you know, this was a big reason why uh, one of the very first things that I did was to to join up with the New Jersey delegation, bipartisan, working with Chris Smith and working with uh, Pallone and Pascrell and others to be able to uh, get our state and local tax deductions back. Um, you know, so this is something that we're working hard on as a delegation, something um, that I want to make sure we push forward. Um, we're certainly getting, uh, you know, we're, we're working hard to get the traction we need in the House. Um, but look, you know, everything that we're seeing right now is, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing that uh, leadership on the Senate side doesn't want to take this up. 
Um, they're not interested in revisiting this issue of the state and local tax deduction. And I think that's a real shame and a real problem, certainly for the people here in New Jersey. So I'm really upset about this, and it's uh, real frustrating for me to be constantly hearing from you know people all over the district about you know how it's affecting them. Um, you know, New Jersey needs to be treated fairly. We're not asking for the moon here. We're asking to be treated fairly, and yeah, we're not getting that from the federal government. Absolutely. Uh, back to the phones, Phil and Brick. Good morning. Good, good morning, uh, Jeremy. Good morning, uh, Congressman. Uh, I'm so pleased that you're on topic A. I, I, I tried to get <laughs> you on here uh, during the campaign. I hope you make this a regular uh, uh, thing with it. Uh, you'll find Jeremy is very fair. He's a Republican, but as I've said many times, if we have to have a Republican, he's, he's the kind we, we should have. So, um, uh, uh, Jeremy, if I may, I have two two quickies for the, uh, the congressman. Um, congressman, there's a movement uh, right now to elect the president by popular vote. And uh, right now there are 13 or 14 states uh, that have passed laws with a total of about 180 electoral votes proposing that their, elect their state electoral votes Go to the winner of the popular uh, of the popular vote. Uh, if they get enough states uh, reaching 270 electoral votes, it will become law. What uh, What do you think about that? You know, if I may, just before you answer, uh, I brought this up here before, and many people say, "Well, uh, the cities get more. The people in the cities get more vote." Uh, well, as it stands right now, a, a vote in Montana is vote worth more than a vote in the Bronx. And um, every vote should be equal. I'm wondering what you think about that, sir. No, thanks, Phil, for raising this. Thanks for calling in. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be on this program and, and definitely will be continuing to be on this program um, as I, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, what you raise is critically important. And it goes back to something I said um, just in the last segment, which is that, look, when it comes to issues of the Constitution, we need to be careful. You know, we need to make sure that we're taking this uh, methodically, we're treating the Constitution with respect. Um, I certainly understand the, the frustration that is driving some of uh, what you were talking about, where people want to push for uh, the popular vote side of things. I mean, look, you know, I grew up here in New Jersey, and I'll tell you, um, you know, I can count on my hand the number of times I met a presidential candidate come through my hometown because that's zero. You know, I've never had the opportunity to meet a presidential candidate. They're not in. You know, they're not interested in, in coming to New Jersey because we're not strategically important when it comes to uh, sort of that broader electoral math that they're coming up with. So, you know, when I think about this and when I come at this as a representative of people here in New Jersey, I, of course, would want to have, you know, as much of a say. I want the people in my community here in Ocean County and Burlington County to have a voice in that. And I don't like the idea that people in other states are having more of a chance and have more opportunities to meet these candidates than people here do. But again, we also have to do it with respect to the Constitution. And we need to be very careful about how that's proceeding. And, uh, you know, I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want these issues to be pushed out there in ways that other states are going to feel like this didn't go through the right channels and the right process. You know, when we're okay. dealing with the Constitution, we've got to be very careful. So, you know, it's a balance here and one that, you know, is, is worthy of discussion. Um, but like I said, we need to be very deliberate. And you had one, sure. one more quickie, Phil? Go if, if, yeah, if I may, yeah. Uh, um, uh, but I'll take it as a qualified yes, uh, Congressman, if you don't mind. <laughs> um, uh, your, your, uh, your colleague, uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, has been getting a lot of ink and so on. And uh, I, I want to ask you what you think about it. But besides, most importantly, she has proposed a 70% tax on net income over $10 million. A lot of flack from Republicans on that, not realizing that Eisenhower had a 90, 90% tax. What do you think about that? 70% tax on incomes over $10 million. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, look, um, you know, right now where my head's at is just trying to figure out what we can do to make our government as uh, efficient and effective as possible. Um, you know, I we, sh we should understand that, that taxing people in this country should be you know, really a last resort. You know, there's, there's already a lot in terms of uh, wasteful spending, uh, a lot of inefficiencies in our government. We need to be very careful. And when we make those choices to when to, uh, when to go down the road of, 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 of taxes, you know, we need to make sure we justify exactly what that's going towards. So, you know, for me, 
you know, I want to make sure we're doing that very deliberately. We're not just coming up with numbers, um, you know, just, you know, why that number? Why not some other number? You know, there needs to be some strategy behind it, some reasoning behind it. And, you know, being able to justify that and explain to people, people because, look, that's their hard-earned money. Um, you know, we need to be very careful about that. We understand the benefits that we get, you know, when we see that the share, when we when we look at the infrastructure that's out there, the roadways. You know, I, I know you're from Brick. You know, the the efforts that we have right now, you know, trying to make sure that we have a new uh, VA health facility there for veterans. You know, that's something I can justify. That's something I can say, yes, that is something that's going to benefit this community. Um, that is something that our community should get behind. Um, so those are, you know, that's that's my mentality of it. But, you know, for me, my job is to look out for the people here in this district. Um, so anything that the government tries to do um, in, in terms of spending, anything they're going to try to do to raise your taxes or, or change your taxes up or down, um, you know, they need to justify to me and explain well, how that's going to help the people here. And I just haven't seen that direct correlation between, you know, what people are talking about in terms of, you know, these different tax plans and, and what that's going to mean here. Right. They're going to talk about that and then talk about how that's going to rebuild our roads and get our infrastructure in a better place and look out for our joint base and look out for veterans here and help actually take strategies to address the opioid crisis. Yeah, we can talk about that point. But, you know, they don't, don't just tell me about, you know, raising the number without telling me what it's going to do. Right. And, and, and again, the caution here always is if you're somebody that's earning over $10 million a year, right, then you're probably someone that could start looking at alternative, alternative options for where you could, where you could be living. Right. So we have to be careful. We've seen it in New Jersey repeatedly where we where we squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and we push folks right out of our tax base. So it's just it's it's a fine line here. And uh, and it sounds great on paper and it's hard. It's hard not to motivate the electorate to say, well, of course, let's let's really gouge those making over 10 million dollars a year. I mean, how many people are we actually talking about? We're not talking about a lot of votes. But you have to look at what that, what the, what the real outcome of that is, and what the opportunity cost is of, 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 of maybe losing those folks altogether from our tax structure. Um, I got a question for you. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hit the back burner a little bit only because of the Mueller report and, and, you know, and these, and, and some of the other things that are happening today. But, you know, we have this, uh, we have this issue around immigration. We have this state of emergency or not state of emergency or, or national security alert on our southern border. Uh, you know, you're in an interesting situation because of your, your district uh, and because of the, the makeup of your district. But I, I'm interested, where where are you on this? Like, what, what's, what, what would you like to see happen? Well, where I come at this is, is saying that it, it doesn't have to be just one or the other. When I look at sort of the debate that has been occurring and, and certainly gotten, a, you know, an inside look as I've been a part of over the last, you know, three months or so is that, you know, it's just, bec- there's, it's just been so wrapped up in this hyperpartisanship and it's become emblematic of this tribalism that exists uh, in, in such extremes. So every aspect of it is, is seen not in terms of what the, the, benefits are to our country, but rather what the benefits are for political power and, and the partisanship in D.C. And that's what I find extremely frustrating, that we went through that whole shutdown, talking about you know whether or not to move ahead with the funding uh, that the president was asking for or, or to, to not. And at no point in that conversation were people at the Hill you know, bringing in experts on uh, border security or immigration or others to, to really be talking to the different members and, and trying to come up with some type of, of uh, sensible and substantive way forward. You know, I come at this in, in, in a couple ways. One is, you know, I, I come at this as a national security uh, expert. You know, I've worked uh, on national security, on counterterrorism. I've done a lot of work with different law enforcement around our country to make sure we're keeping our country safe from terrorism, from uh, people who are wishing to do us harm. Um, I have seen, you know, the incredible benefits that you know, modern technology can provide in terms of securing areas. But I also come at this as a, as a son of immigrants. So, uh, you know, they, they grew up here in New Jersey and seen an incredible community come together and, and, you know, really be able to support my family and allow us to be able to thrive, allow us to be able to give back. 
So, you know, there's got to be that balance here that we understand that, that these two issues uh, don't have to be constantly in collision with each other. Right. And the way that I know that this is doable is because just a little over five years ago, we had 68 senators from both parties come together and vote uh, yes on a comprehensive immigration bill that addressed and had more money for border security, had a pathway forward for DACA dreamers. And it, 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 each side, did they get what they wanted? No, they, they had to compromise. They didn't get everything that they wanted, but they were satisfied enough. When was the last time we saw 68 senators from both parties vote yes on, on a major piece of legislation? Right. You know, and, and the, so, you know, I saw it happen just five years ago. You know, that wasn't like, a, you know, a, uh, a really long time ago, we can achieve that kind of bipartisanship when people try to put aside those uh, partisan differences. But look, you know, that bill then in 2013, after it passed the Senate, it went to the House. And, you know, what happened there? Dead on arrival. Didn't even get a, a vote, didn't get a committee hearing, didn't get any hearings um, because of political gamesmanship. Sure. And, you know, we, when we see that over and over again, when I see people talking about this issue of immigration, um, not and, and frankly, I see this on both sides of the aisle. Um, is that you know people are talking about it in terms of well, what what's that going to do to our leverage, or is that going to be seen as a defeat for our party? That's not; those are the wrong questions. And you know, a lot of people are really struggling, um, you know, because uh, of the lack of ability for politicians in D.C. to be able to um, look at this through the right prism. Absolutely, fair enough. Let's go back to the phones, Lauren. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Um, I, I share in, uh, in Phil's appreciation, Congressman, for you taking my call and, and for coming on the show this morning. So thank you. Um, I'm, I'm going to switch things up a little bit here and <laughs> come away from taxes. Um, I am curious how you plan to vote on Bill A3818, which if, if you need a refresher, that's on um, abolishing the religious exemption for vaccines. All right, thanks for the call, Lauren. What was that, Lauren? What was the, uh, the abolishing the religious today? exemption for vaccines? Okay. Um, well, look, uh, this is this is an issue I haven't had a chance to read through that bill yet. Um, so, you know, look, let me take a look at that. But you know, I know that you know for me, um, you know, I want to make sure that we have a society that's going to be healthy, that we're looking out for the people that are there. So, you know, I'm somebody that has been, um, you know, a supporter of, uh, of vaccines and making sure that we're keeping our kids and our communities safe. Um, we've certainly seen that a lot from the different, um, uh, you know, measles outbreaks and other problems that we've had around this country. So, you know, that's that's the approach that I've been taking as I've been consulting with um, a lot of medical officials across this district going forward on this. So I'll look and take a look at the uh, the legislation you're referring to, but I, I wanted to be very honest with you about uh, where I stand on this issue. Great. Uh, Paul from Jackson. Paul from Jackson. So, yeah, hello? Yes, yes, hello? Yes, yes, yes. Talk closer to the can. Okay, yeah. Uh, thank you, Congressman. Um, a few years ago, when they closed Port Monmouth, I'm, I'm disabled. Um, um, I, I had two back surgeries. I got hurt on my job. And um, they were talking about uh, converting uh, Fort Monmouth into like a, 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 a housing for homeless and disabled people and veterans. Whatever happened with that? Uh, I'll follow back up with you on that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm right here. Thanks so much. Um, thanks so much, Paul. Um, you know, look. First of all, it was a you know it was a big disaster for the community that uh, that Fort Monmouth closed, and uh, you know we so I know it's been really hard on the community in terms of jobs and and just sort of broader issues, which is why you know again I think it's so important that I serve on the Armed Services Committee and, and look out for that. Um, I'd have to double check to see what the latest plans are. Um, from the county, from Monmouth County, as well as um, from the state, in terms of of uh, where that stands. But you know, it's, it is important that we try to find opportunities to use that type of space that's going to be beneficial to the community in terms of jobs, in terms of housing. You know, I'm certainly someone that's that's very supportive of, of ways that we can be looking out for those that are most vulnerable in our communities. 
And my very first job working in politics was working at a coalition of the homeless um, when I was younger. And, you know, I think it's uh, very important. I was just at uh, a Code Blue facility in Ocean County um, two days ago, um, just getting to see the incredible work that they've done to try to, you know, keep people safe and give them a roof over their head, uh, especially during the, the cold winters. And, you know, we should be looking out for those in our community that are, are most vulnerable and giving them those opportunities just you know, have a warm meal and a roof over the head can just really change their lives there. Right. So, you know, I'd be certainly open to, uh, to efforts to try to repurpose, um, uh, you know, different facilities, uh, whether it makes sense for Fort Monmouth, I'd have to leave that to uh, the, the local communities and the experts there. Um, but right. I'll, I'll see what I can dig and, up and we'll get that back. And the Army Corps of Engineers has a very specific plan around Fort Monmouth at this point. So they've been uh, they've been kind of working that plan to rebuild that uh, that metropolis over there. Uh, which is going to be a, its own little city. Uh, let me ask you a question: uh, How are where are you on the Equality Act uh, uh, with uh, with our LGBTQ uh, community? I, I how do you how do you come down on that? Yeah, I'm supportive of the Equality Act. I mean, I think that's you know that's uh, equality is the uh, foundation of our country, and uh, you know it's certainly something that we need to be making sure we move forward on. Um, so I'm supportive of that. I co-sponsored it, and I'm looking forward to vote for it soon. Great. Uh, let's go back to Jimmy in Lakewood. Good morning. Hi, Congressman Kim. How are you? Um, whether the for the medical for the health care in this country, whether it be Medicare for all or universal health care, please please keep up the fight to make sure that no matter how we go with this, that pre existing conditions will be covered. Okay. Thanks. You know, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy, for that. Absolutely. I mean, look, there, there are ways in which we need to approach healthcare on a couple different fronts. You're absolutely right. You know, there is this broader strategic debate about where we're heading. Um, what, what is it that we're trying to get towards? I certainly want to make sure everyone in this country, rich or poor, has healthcare. Um, that's absolutely something that uh, I want to work towards. But how we get there and what what steps we do, you know, that's up for discussion and debate, and we should be having that. But we can't, we can't uh, just focus on that alone. You know, there are issues right now, uh, big problems that people are facing right in the community, as you were saying. You know, right now there are legal challenges on, on pre-existing conditions and other aspects of our health care. Um, you know, this is something that I think about a lot. You know, my father uh, grew up in an orphanage. He was a survivor of polio since he was a baby. You know, he's had this disability his uh, his whole life, and I've seen how it's affected him and his ability to get jobs, his ability to do his work. You know, for him, he needed to make sure he could manage that disability for him to be able to become, you know, be uh, uh, work a strong job and be able to get an education. And because he was able to to get the care that he needed, he ended up getting a PhD in genetics, and then dedicated his whole life to trying to cure cancer and Alzheimer's. You know, the reason why he did that is because he saw what happens when people take care of him. He saw what happens when our scientific community invests in a cure for polio that could have cured him had that, uh, had that cure been uh, a couple years earlier. Um, and now he's dedicated his whole life to trying to cure cancer and Alzheimer's, other pre-existing conditions that people are having because he's seen what benefits that has done for him and for others that are they're struggling. Right. So we need to absolutely make sure that uh, that we don't discriminate against people with pre-existing conditions, um, that we're understanding that, that there's a fight here and now, that 70,000 Americans every year are, dry, are dying from drug overdose, opioid overdose, um, that we have a lot of people that are paying way too much out of their pocket for prescription drug costs. Um, and, you know, these are the types of things that, you know, we need to make sure we're, we're continuing to, to fight on and try to come up with some solutions to right now because, you know, especially on those two, uh, prescription drugs and opioids, you know, there is some opportunity for bipartisanship there. We would and, uh, we've heard the president talk about, you know, these issues, and we've heard Republicans in Congress talk about them. So let's try to figure out how to solve those issues where we have some common agreement, you know, while we have that broader debate as well. Fair enough. Uh, last call for the congressman, Jerry from Beachwood. Oh, excuse me. Uh, hi, sorry. Had you on the had you on the speakerphone there, um, Congressman. I and I, I apologize. I haven't heard all of your um, your comments this morning, but there's an awful lot of um, I wouldn't call it bipartisanship taking place. I think that the 
um, uh, the, the elected officials on both sides of the aisle are digging into the trenches very, very deeply. Do you see anything, anything coming down the line that can be worked on in a bipartisan manner that's going to be beneficial to the country rather than this infighting and this, this name-calling and all of the rest of the negatives that are taking place out there? Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks, Jerry. And I, look, I, I agree with you 100% here. And, you know, the, the people of, the, of this district, um, you know, they, they want some, they want, you know, a pragmatic way forward. They want uh, to be able to have a government that understands these uh, challenges every single day. Um, I agree with you that we need to find these bipartisan ways forward, um, try to find areas of common agreement. You know, as a diplomat, I was trained not to take a maximalist position and beat the, you know, beat someone over the head. Uh, instead, try to find areas of common agreement and build out from there. Try to have some trust restored that we can have a government that operates with integrity, that we can have uh, political leaders that try to inject some civility back into our politics. So I would say, you know, I'm trying to be where that rubber hits the road. And, you know, the opioid crisis and prescription drug costs are two that I just mentioned where I hope we can find uh, some bipartisanship. Uh, another area that I think is just a no-brainer is infrastructure. Right. I mean, it just it makes total sense to me that, you know, we need to uh, be taking the steps we need to have to, to secure our community and build a uh, 21st century economy. You know, the, the, the uh, National Society for Civil Engineers gives the New Jersey a D-plus rating for our infrastructure. It gives us a C rating for clean water in the state. You know, that we have huge problems here. We know that roads, bridges, and tunnels are a lifeblood to our state, uh, as we have so many folks commuting, so many folks having to travel long distances to be able to get to their jobs. Um, you know, so this is something that every single, all 50 states can benefit from. Every single member of Congress has a long list of what it is, what infrastructure in their own district they want to see move forward. So why can't we come together and do that? The fact that we haven't had an infrastructure bill come up uh, uh, already is, is, is a real shame. Uh, I'm certainly pressing uh, every single day on leaders on both sides of the aisle to, to try to move forward on this and make sure we can address this issue in a way that's going to benefit uh, everybody. So, you know, I think it's important for, for you and others to just you know, keep at it, you know, push for that bipartisanship, you know, push for people that are going to have sensible voices in Congress that are not trying to get engaged in the name calling and the partisan knife fighting that is holding us back uh, from progress and making it a spectacle down there that is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is trying to work for the people. You know, as I said at the beginning of this call, whether you voted for me or not, you're my boss and I'm working for you. And my job is to try to make you, uh, you, you know, make it easier for you to do your jobs and be able to raise a family and be able to retire with peace of mind. You know, that's the mission of what it is that we're trying to do in Congress. It's not about which parties winning or losing. Um, because if we're not delivering for the American people, we'll, who we know is losing are the American people. Um, so that's what I'm going to try to do. I, I'll, I'll certainly pledge to you that as long as I'm given this great opportunity to represent this district, I will be that person that tries to uh, find those areas of common ground and, and lead um, and try to find these elements where we can have pragmatic, strategic ways forward um, and hopefully be able to cut through and show the rest of the country that there's a better way to do this. Absolutely. Uh, Congressman Andy Kim, uh, listen, uh, thank you so much for your uh, for your candor and for your uh, accessibility this morning. Uh, you know, we don't screen callers. We just take them as they come, and and, uh, and you were certainly a good sport with that. Speaking of such, you know, we're a couple days away from, uh, from baseball season. Are you a baseball fan at all? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm a big baseball fan. And who's your, who's your team? <laughs> I'm a Phillies fan. Oh, no. Oh, that's okay. Well, I think uh, so you just you just lost all the Met fan votes. By the I way, know. Phil from Brick is a but, huge Mets fan. Mean, you just blew him up. <laughs> well, look, I'm not I I the, I've I've heard some politicians give some really terrible answers about sports teams before. Where they're like, "Well, well, I like all the sports teams out there. I think they're all fantastic people, you know. <laughs> look, we all we all have our teams that we love and play with. Um, I'm hoping to be able to play on the congressional baseball team uh, and be able to have a little bit of bipartisan fun. What, uh, what, what, as well. what, what position are you thinking? Like, what's your what's your comfort zone? Yeah, you know, um, I mean, I, I have to 
I'd, I'd have to kind of see uh, what what people are playing. Um, yeah, I haven't played seriously in a long time, um, but I'm a lefty, and I had a good lefty throwing arm. So, um, you know, I was a pitcher when I was younger. Um, I also played a lot of uh, third base because I can uh, cover that line uh, really well as a lefty. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see right. where things go. Well, I think i got to hit the batting cages for a little bit before fa- I get back onto the field. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Congressman Andy Kim, thank you so much for your time this morning. Yeah, of course. Thanks a lot, Jeremy. Take care. Topic A, hour three in the books. Hour four is all yours. Got some commercials that we held off on, and then the news, and then back to you. Back after this. Be back with more of Bob Levy's Topic A with Jeremy Grunin on Beach Radio 1160 and 1310 and Ocean County's hometown station 92.7 WOBM. Three years ago, a lot of exciting things happened. The Berlin Wall came down, a new computer program came out, and the most exciting news of all happened right here in New Jersey. Matt Blatt opened its doors. That's right. It's time to break out the noisemakers and blow up the balloons. It's Matt Blatt's 30-year anniversary. Get to Matt Blatt Kia or Matt Blatt Kia of Tom's River. We want your trade, even if you owe thousands more than it's worth. And remember, you simply can't make a mistake at Matt Blatt Kia with a 2019 Kia and our four-day love-it-or-leave-it return policy. If you have a job clearing 400 per week, Matt Blatt Kia in Egg Harbor and Tom's River want to get you approved. Get to Matt Blatt Kia or Matt Black Kia of Tom's River. We want your trade. It's gotta be a Matt Black Kia. Dial 888-703-6459 or go to mattblackkianj.com for complete details on offers. Expires 4-3-2019. Matt Black Kia. 6211 Black Horse Pike. Egg Harbor Township. It's finally spring, so it's time to celebrate the season with great food, great drinks, and great entertainment at Bum Rogers in South Seaside Park. This coming Friday, see Jay Soul from 5 to 8 and halfway there at 9.30. Saturday at 9.30, it's Smoke and Mirrors. And don't forget to stop in to listen to Jay Soul every Wednesday from 6 till 10. That's Bum Rogers in South Seaside Park. For a list of dinner specials, a complete schedule of events, and more, visit BumRogersTavern.com. That's BumRogersTavern.com. At Hackensack Meridian Health, the most comprehensive healthcare system in New Jersey, our cancer program empowers patients to become partners in their treatment. With access to clinical trials as well as surgical, medical, and radiation oncology expertise, we're able to pioneer the possible with cancer care that's centered around you. To connect with a nurse or find a specialist, visit HackensackMeridianHealth.org. Hackensack Meridian Health, part of the Memorial Sloan Kettering Hackensack Meridian Health Partnership. It was her first concert, so we were nervous. Well, Dad was. With Total Wireless, we're on the nation's largest, most dependable 4G LTE network for less than you'd expect. Now we can always stay connected. Always, Dad? And now with the new Mega Plan, you get 25 gigs of high-speed data for $50 a month. That's more data on a single line than we've ever had. So fall in love with your favorite characters, sing along to your favorite songs, and have really, really long conversations. Total Wireless. Total confidence. Available at Walmart. See terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com. We're at Value City NJ, where the new spring lineup is on its way. You know, the spring weather's going to be here before you know it. So we're having a $14 million sell-off right now. All winter inventory must go to make room. All living rooms, dining rooms, and bedrooms are marked down. Closeouts, floor samples, overstock items up to 70% off. Plus, we'll deliver your furniture free and give you 18 months no interest financing with no minimum purchase. Hurry! ValueCityNJ.com. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Lose Katigna here, inviting you to join me for one precious hour of money talk and commentary. On The Financial Physician, I cover money, markets, politics, and anything that affects your financial life. I will take your phone calls and answer any question on any money matter. Whether it's investments, taxes, estate planning, I will provide you with the straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice I have been providing my listeners for over 17 years. Join me for The Financial Physician, Sundays at 11 a.m. following Topic A on Beach Radio AM 1160. Register investment advisory services through Argentus Advisors. Let's face it, losing a loved one is hard enough without worrying about high prices. 
your local Dignity Memorial cremation and funeral providers, including Quinn Hopping Funeral Home of Toms River, understand this. That's why Dignity Memorial locations have significantly lowered cremation and burial costs to better serve their community. So whether you're in need of immediate assistance or interested in planning ahead to lock in today's prices and gain peace of mind, they can help. Visit DignityNJ.com to see pricing, options, and locations near you. Lower cost doesn't mean your family has to compromise quality or personal service. That's DignityNJ.com, because a memorial service should be about memories, not high prices. Quinn Hopping Funeral Home is located at 26 Mule Road, Toms River, New Jersey, 08755. Phone 732-240-240. 3800. Michael T. Sutton, manager, New Jersey license number 4128. Join the Mammoth Ocean Development Council for a fun-filled evening of networking and golf on Wednesday, April 17th from 6 to 8 p.m.